Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome, welcome, Indianapolis, to another exciting afternoon of Tony Katz today. Tony stepping out. I am your Saturday host, Ethan Hatcher, joined by Tony Kinnett. That's uh, right. And, of course, producer Jason. Beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. I'm quite excited because we have a jam-packed afternoon of exciting topics to cover, beginning with, of course, the impeachment inquiry that is being launched by Kevin McCarthy, potentially a exciting news, but also some development in the neighborhood of Irvington, maybe more commerce coming to the east side of Indianapolis, bringing much needed development and disastrous plans for the Indianapolis roadway introduced by Andre Carson, Pete Buttigieg and the mayor, Joe Hogsnot. We're going to cover all that and a lot more. Don't miss a moment of this afternoon. Tony Katz today. Okay, so let's begin, Tony, with Tony Kinnett, by the way, Um, the impeachment inquiry that is being launched by Kevin McCarthy. Potentially, this is interesting news, but that is entirely contingent on if the Republicans follow through. Like, if they do, I'm more than happy to support it. Otherwise, it may be best to leave B. Do you you understand my uh, uh, hesitancy there? Yeah, but for a different reason entirely. So uh, the goal of the impeachment inquiry and really the goal of Republicans in Washington right now should be to return to status quo antebellum. So the idea is that everyone wants to return to the time when basically your life didn't involve politics every single day. Every single television station from ESPN to Disney Channel wasn't stuffed with politics. When everyone wasn't trying to beat you over the head with political themes every moment of your waking life, a.k.a. I'd like to be left alone. And this impeachment inquiry could be a step in doing so. Let me explain what I mean. When you have the Democrats, which launched an impeachment investigation and inquiry into President Trump on very little, in fact, had no no actual, no actual criminal charges were ever even mentioned or brought up or any federal statute that was cited, they opened Pandora's box, which is we are just going to impeach for the sake of impeaching. And that's what you do with your political opponents. And ever since then, it has been this cattywampus nonsense. Again, Mitch McConnell warned Nancy Pelosi very carefully and said, be careful, because once you do this, we will retaliate in kind. And that's what's happening here. There is far more evidence for the kind of garbage that President Biden was involved in regarding his son leveraging him for influence and massive financial gain from corrupt officials ranging from Kazakhstan to Ukraine. And so now when you look at this and you see Kevin McCarthy actually kind of being forced by other members of the party into launching this impeachment inquiry, yeah, I mean, this is this is a good thing because if Republicans can kind of swing through here and say, whatever you can do, we can do better and we can return in kind then there is a chance that you can kind of have both sides reach kind of a a nuclear age mad treaty of the Cold War and say, all right, maybe we don't want to just impeach everyone ever. Well, now it's funny because Chuck Schumer is borrowing the language of Donald Trump and uh, calling this impeachment inquiry illegitimate and a wild witch hunt, which (laughs) is hysterical to hear coming from a Democrat. Oh, where's my sound, Jason? Uh, Am I on? So you have there we go. I think the impeachment inquiry is absurd. The American people want us to do something that will make their lives better, not go off on these chases and uh, witch hunts. The bottom line is, as we've said, 
You can only accomplish keeping the government open in a bipartisan way. Okay, so I agree with you. This is poising the Republicans to accomplish something. And because of the way an impeachment inquiry is structured, they can more they can go after some of the banking records and some of the personal records of the Biden crime family. And there are very uncomfortable answers to questions that the Bidens don't have. You know, where is some of this foreign money coming from and what was it paid for? But again, it's contingent on the Republicans actually following through. And when have they in modern Republican history? When have the Republicans followed through? I don't think that they're going to back the Democrats into a, 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 a nuclear option. You know what I mean? Here, here's my take on this. You have a wing of Republicans that is it is rising in the form of populism. And for a long time, individuals have warned, especially Tea Party members, have warned the establishment, say, heads of the party. You need to make sure that you take the concerns from populists and average everyday Americans into account. You need to pay attention when they're upset with Biden. You need to pay attention when they're upset with the economy. You need to pay attention when they're upset with the culture issues. Because if you don't, then populists will wrest control completely away from the establishment members of the party, and they will do whatever they want. We're seeing this in the Indiana GOP right now. The Indiana GOP does not have control over the delegates. The establishment, they don't. And it's becoming clearer with every single primary and an election that the delegates take part of. And you see this on a national level as well, just with different actors and different roles. So I think that you have a lot of Republicans who are going to follow through on this. And I point to banks. All right. So so banks was uh, screwed over in being on the, the January 6th committee, which is not something that was ever made political, assigning members and blocking members of the opposite party beforehand. And now he is wholly focused on restoring storing a system of justice in the halls of Congress that he's willing to accomplish in a way that make if it makes people angry, then it makes people angry. This is what we're going to do. And that's what we're seeing here. That's why I think that Republicans are likely going to follow through. It helps that individuals like Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney are literally being shuffled out of the party, if not run out of, you know, run out of town on a rail. This is something that has become no longer a sacrosanct value of the Republican Party, which is that holier than thou. Well, we're above all of this. Um, num, 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 num. We'll have to ask the Chamber of Commerce. Um, num, 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 num. That's not how the Republican Party is. It's not going to function like that for much longer. So with Democrats like John Fetterman, who are being dismissive of populist outrage, do Democrats like him and Chuck Schumer rich uh, or risk uh, uh, enraging and stoking the Republican base and holding those representatives to account? I'm sure you heard this interaction when John Fetterman was asked about the impeachment inquiry, and he sounds like a drunken buffoon. I'm asking about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment inquiry, has said he's going to Oh, my God. Really? Oh my gosh, you know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh no, oh no. Now that's comedy. So are Democrats uh, playing a dangerous game here by being so dismissive? They've, they've played a danger. Well, every time the Democrats are dismissive, it's dismissed for one reason alone, and that's because there are substantial issues there they don't really want paid mm-hmm. attention to. And this mm-hmm. is, again, when the Democrats make a really huge deal, it's usually a huge deal over nothing. Pay and, no attention to the man behind the right, curtain. Right. And when Democrats start closing the curtains, it's because there's something there and they don't want you to look. <laughs> By the way, that's classic politics 101. The number one way to get out of a PR disaster is to largely ignore it. Sometimes it works, and sometimes you're Jefferson Shreve. 
So those are the kind of things that, you know, you you start to look at in this kind of an impeachment inquiry. The evidence, again, is overwhelming here. It's hilarious that you have Chuck Schumer getting up there and saying it's a witch hunt, because, again, it's that's what... from the language of Trump. That's what Trump called the impeachment inquiries, rightly so, because they were so paper thin. So for Chuck Schumer to literally turn around after marching the Democrats to the precipice of impeachment, not once, but twice, um, is just... <laughs> It's really comical. So, again, and the reason why it's comical is because the suggestion by the tone and the language used by Schumer is that he knows that it is as at least as bad as the situation for Trump was, which means that it makes perfect sense politically for his for the opposite party, that being the Republicans, those being the reigning members in the House and then eventually the Senate, which Biden will likely be impeached, but he will not be removed, that you're basically giving the Republicans everything they need by using the same language that Trump had. It's amazing how Trump is being kept viable as a presidential candidate solely from the efforts of everyone but Donald Trump. It's incredible. Um, Again, though, I feel like there's cause for concern when you have Republicans like Mitt Romney, who is weighed in on the impeachment uh, inquiry, and we'll be getting to his comments later in the show. So I'll save that. But again, lots of cause for concern. Republicans not historically known for following through. And although I think there's lots of there to investigate in the the Biden crime family with an impeachment inquiry, it's I, I, I just am ultimately not sure whether the Republicans will. I, at this point, I, I I don't care as much as to whether the Republicans are or aren't. It's very it damning for the Democrats president. either way. It, it does. But the goal, look, I am no I am one that is not I am one that is not afraid to shy. I am not afraid to say own the libs. That is something that I am. I'm more than happy to say I am more than happy to humiliate the Democrats. But I think at this point, the goal should be to ultimately get the people of the United States in a position where they don't have to think about politics every day. And I think that at the end of the day, this continues to erode trust in the American political system because, again, Biden is being revealed to be just as corrupt as everyone already knew who he was. There's no way here for the establishment Republican or the 90s labor Democrat to say all of our institutions are fine. Everything is OK. That's not the case in the American society anymore. And when a vacuum is created, something else will take its place. So right now, my attention is on what's going to take its place because something will. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Tony Katz today, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kinnett filling in more to come, including we might get to the uh, uh, $6 billion in frozen funds that were released to Iran for a prison swap, uh, uh, potentially endangering um, uh, American geopolitical uh, stability in the future and our ability to negotiate with Potentially. Aggressors. Oh, you're, you're, you're <laughs> nice. I'm couching it. You're I'm nicer than it. I am, potentially. You guys are going to want to hear this because according to this deal, American prisoners are worth much less than Iranian prisoners, and we have the stuff to prove it. You're going to want to stick around. I'm in the middle of the tease. You need to stick stick around for that, and then also we're going to be covering uh, this d- Democrat candidate who's blown away by the fact her uh, online pornographic broadcasts have been uncovered and are being used <laughs> in <Broadcast. politics. laughs> Don't miss a moment of it. It's Tony Katz today, Ethan Atcher, and Tony Kinnett filling in. Stay tuned. Welcome back this afternoon to Tony Katz today. 
If you're still with us, thank you for suffering through me singing uh, what is an absolutely fantastic song. I'm joined this afternoon uh, by Ethan Hatcher. We're covering for Tony Katz today while he gallivants around and saves the country from yet another disaster. Speaking of disasters, the United States has agreed to a prisoner exchange with uh, the horrible <laughs> extremist state of Iran. You know Iran, the one that beats their women and commits terrorist atrocities all over the world. So uh, I know that's not really narrowing it down, but Iran, you know, right next to other nations similar to in the Middle East. Well, they had five uh, Americans. And so we agreed to trade five prisoners that we have from the nation, the state of Iran. And uh, apparently that wasn't good enough. Uh, apparently trading five of your prisoners for five Americans is not good. And you think, well, Iran's kind of a, a sucky country. So maybe they also had to pay us in order to get their <laughs> prisoners back. And now any competent foreign policy official would perhaps drive a bargain that we're the bigger player. We direct a lot of the world's foreign policy decisions and have since 1951. So therefore, you might pay us for your prisoners. And then maybe, you know, you, you'll, you'll give us ours back anyway, because we're the United States. But Ethan, that's not what happened. So we are getting our five prisoners back. And in exchange, we are giving Iran five of their prisoners and... Six billion dollars. Wow, what a bargain at one point two billion dollars a prisoner. Now that's the way to negotiate, Tony. That's incredible. I can't believe that they would do that. Now, of course, mind you, uh, John Kirby, he's saying that the six billion dollars of funding is going to have limited benefit to Iran because the United States is going to control how that's all spent. Ultimately, just like um, in, in the, the last the last four ways over the last calendar decade that uh, excuse me, the last four instances in the last calendar decade that we have given Iran money and we have promised, just like Kirby said, that we were going to control how those funds are spent, has failed in every measurable metric every single time. Iran has taken the money and they have run like an individual trying to cheat the welfare system by buying bottles of water at the supermarket, pouring those out, and then trading those in for box tops. That is exactly what's going on with Iran. We are not going to control any way that they spend their money. No. And if you think that we are, any, any more you than are we Intelligent. Any more than we prevented the Taliban from taking over uh, Afghanistan after our disastrous withdrawal. There, there but- is no one with a functioning brain that thinks that the United <laughs> States has handled Middle Eastern foreign policy well since President Biden took office. Well, Regardless of what you think of Trump, Trump does not enter into this at all. Presidents of the United States have been making Middle Eastern promises regarding U.S. intervention and U.S. withdrawal and U.S. financial trade agreements with the Middle East for 25, 30 years this is nothing new. Biden has crapped the bed religiously when it comes to Middle Eastern foreign policy. John John Kirby said that this is the best that the current White House can do. And you know, yeah, the I'll bet thing? it is. Yeah, I'll bet he's right. Um, but didn't they also get five Iranians? They will get five uh, Iranians as well. Yeah, Jackie. Then why did we need to add six billion dollars on top of that? The, this is the deal that uh, we were able to strike. Yeah. 
to secure the release of five Americans. That's it. That's just the deal. $1.2 billion ahead. You want to talk about an abysmal failure of foreign policy. Not only do you not negotiate with terrorists, but you don't give them billions of dollars that will inevitably be used to further destabilize the region and put American lives at risk. You want to talk about a failure of foreign policy. That is the definition of the Biden administration. And we should feel nothing for uh, uh, but shame for what's transpired here. So, OK, I want to point this out because a common criticism that I've seen, you know, all over the Internet from left wing pundits is that, well, it's not U.S. money. We're just releasing oh. money that was seized. OK, guess what? When you commit crimes, you lose access to certain things. Those are seized by law enforcement officials in international situations. When money is confiscated due to sanctions, it does not go into a free parking monopoly space where if you land on the right square, you get your money back. Once money is seized for sanctions, it becomes part of the country's central bank treasury. It has worked that way since 1835 when some of the first international sanctions were levied. People that think that this is Iranian money that we've had in a storage unit in Omaha, Nebraska, and someone's going to drive over there with the U-Haul and pick up the $6 billion that's been waiting in the storage locker have no idea how international finance and foreign policy works. I believe they were banks in Korea. Uh, if, if I remember the report right. And those are banks in Korea that the United States specifically levied in order to maintain sanction-kept funds. And this, again, this is not new. Oh, they're Iranian funds. No, they're not. Funds that are... Absc- again, this is... Sanctions are a way of punishment for international piracy. When you when you take money or you take resources from Somali pirates off the coast of Africa, you don't put them in a police evidence storage locker to give back to them at a later date. That's not how that functions. One of the things the Department of Defense runs on or is supposed to run on, according to the original charter for the United States Navy, is capturing the funds from private uh, pirates and individuals that are seeking to do the United States harm. We did this when we conquered and occupied Mexico City. This is not new. Doesn't this incentivize basically ne'er-do-wells around the world to capture Americans and yes, hope that they're going to get, you know, not not even tens of millions or hundreds of millions, but billions of dollars in exchange? Obscene. I swear, we are one of the only countries on Earth, except for a few Western European nations, that <laughs> consistently pay people who hate us. And as much as I despise some of the policy proposals by presidential candidate Nikki Haley, she hits this better than anyone. Why are we giving money to Warhawk countries? Nikki Haley. Yeah, but she's correct here, and here's what she's saying. Why are we giving money to countries that hate us? Why are we giving foreign aid to nations that. that are actively working against the interests of the United States? It's our money. If we have foreign policy interests, we're allowed to let that money be governed by those interests. You don't have to give money to someone that hates you. That's not altruistic. That's stupid. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Tony Katz today, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kinnett filling in. Of course, we've been talking about the failure of foreign policy that has been the Iranian prisoner exchange, but we've also got a lot to be ashamed of here at home, including that disastrous uh, emergency plan by the uh, governor of New Mexico that would uh, restrict firearm usage by law-abiding citizens in Albuquerque and the surrounding area. That's been struck down by a federal judge that Biden appointed, no, no less, U.S. District Judge David Urias, um, and it marks a setback for the governor, who it, it still fully intends to uh, uh, pursue other means of limiting law-abiding Americans, and, and specifically law-abiding Americans, because this governor um, admitted that she didn't believe Governor Grisham uh, didn't believe that criminals would abide by the mandate. So who are you going after if you understand that criminals aren't going to be affected? Well, the only answer 
officer left is law-abiding citizens. So you're leaving them defenseless. So to give a little bit of background to the listeners here, and you are listening to Tony Katz today, I'm Tony Kinnett, the little TK. Over there is Ethan Hatcher. And we're talking a little bit about uh, New Mexican Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's uh, insane health emergency executive order, uh, which forbid carrying firearms of any sort, either open or concealed, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And by the way, New Mexico is an open carry state, which means that if I, Indiana and New Mexico are not reciprocal for concealed carry licenses. So, for example, if I was going to Illinois, I would have to have special permission from the state of Illinois to carry while I was in the state. Not going to happen. If I go to New Mexico, however, I can openly carry. I can't concealed carry because you need a license for that in New Mexico and we're not reciprocal. But in New Mexico, I could openly carry. It is a constitutional right. The hilarious thing here is that not only this Biden appointed judge who struck down the silly executive order, but also gun confiscation advocate David Hogg, as well as very, very progressive Senator Ted Lewis, are very against this nonsense. You cannot suspend the Constitution as the governor of a state. You just can't. I, I'm sorry. I, you have to go bed and daydream about being a fascist some other time, but the New Mexican Fuhrer has lost this battle. Like uh, was once said about the Vietnam War, when you've lost Con Cronkite, you've lost the nation. When you've lost David Hogg, you've lost your anti-Second Amendment argument. Thanks for tuning in to Tony Katz today. We've got more coming up. to Tony Katz today. It's often been said what what's been posted on the internet lives forever and uh, uh, political hopeful Democratic candidate for, uh, for the Virginia House of Delegates, Susanna Gibson has learned that lesson uh, all too well, although she continues to blame others, so maybe she hasn't. Anyway, you're listening to Tony Katz today. I am your host, Ethan Hatcher for Saturday Night on The Circle, filling in with uh, Tony Kinnett, um, who will... Uh, be hosting uh, his own show, uh, the Tony Kinnett cast here on WIBC shortly. Um, And then we're also joined by uh, uh, producer Jason, pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Now, okay, this is a wild story where she, Susanna Gibson, was asking for tips uh, using the uh, username Hot Wife Experience marketing pornographic broadcasts on an online website. And then he posted a bunch of naked pics of me online, and that was the last straw. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Naked pics online? Where? Where did he post those? I don't know. One of those disgusting ex-girlfriend porno sites. Oh, those disgusting ex-girlfriend porno sites. I mean, there's so many of them, though. (laughs) Which one? Which one did he post it on? Do you know we can find him? This was on the X-rated webcam site Chatterbait, where she had accumulated more than 50... (laughs) More than 5,700 followers. Um, and on camera, she identified as ethically, ethically non-monogamous. Now, here, here's a take. There's no such thing as ethical non-monogamy. It doesn't exist. It's a contradiction in terms. If you bl- b- buy into that, you have bought into a fantasy. Sorry. Well, I, so we'll, we'll we'll dig past this one really quickly and then <laughs> then hop into it. So you have to dis- you have to subscribe to a code of ethics in order to call yourself ethical. And if you write your own form of ethics, 
uh, you can claim that anything is ethical and therefore nothing is ethical at all. Again, to quote Syndrome from The Incredibles, when everyone is super, no one will be. If, if everyone writes their own code of ethics, nothing is ethical. So digging into what she did. All right. If you are a, an American adult and you choose to put pictures of yourself online, not on as the clip that you showed, uh, not on like your pictures were posted against your consent onto an ex-girlfriend revenge website. Oh, yeah. No. But if your pictures are posted by you and video is posted by you and interactions uh, where you asked people to uh, tell them basically you're doing very overt very complicated video phone sex. She was doing this for tips. Yeah. So th- th- there's no accident about this. She's claiming it's revenge yeah, porn, see, that, which is why this is a faux pas. And that's what's not. that's what's funny about this. If you choose to do that, then then you are putting that on the web. Right. And then if you run a political campaign, everything that you have done becomes available to public scrutiny. I love this idea. It usually comes from suburban individuals who run for office, and then they're shocked when someone points out a detail of their life that would discredit them from being desirable to vote for. And they're like, well, that's for my private life. You have no business putting that. You you posted it everywhere. <laughs> Ma'am, the, the porn is yours. This is also a campaign issue because there is a decent possibility she used these funds to help launch her campaign. She advertised for these tokens and for these broadcasts and performances um, as being collected and the tips being used for a good cause. Now, that's just She's a bonus. Short- that's just a bonus. You know, if you're if you're going to use those things for campaign funds, that's just a little extra stupid icing on the cake. Um, for the right price, according to Town Hall, um, chatterbaiters could uh, privately watch Gibson urinate or be sodomized. And my question here is, I thought sodomy was strictly an act between two men. I mean, I guess you learn something new every day. Long ago, there were these two awful towns, uh, Sodom, named after sodomy, and Gomorrah. Which was named after an even even weirder move. So again, you learn something new every day. I, I just want to point out again how hilarious it is that she is angry that these were posted online. I thought if sex work is is just work, and if sex work is a good thing, mm-hmm. then why are you upset that he's sharing it? Why not just say, yeah, that's right. I think sex work is normal. Uh, at least then you could maybe win over some votes from people who are like, well, yeah, you go, girl. You'll be proud of the porn you posted. Like, but she's not even doing that. She's mad that he's posting things that she has posted. Well, she's saying this is criminal. She said that oh, it's re- criminal yeah, by revealing uh, these broadcasts. It's, quote, an illegal invasion of my privacy oh. designed to humiliate me and and my family unless I, wait unless he paid for it you right. know if you're if you're gonna go the consumer angle it's, it's like well he didn't cause. pay for it it's like all right well then i like one porn please and then you can post it i this is so hilarious it's we, literally well 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions exactly we live in the most ridiculous timeline and it's not just democrats you know we started the story with the ridiculous behavior of a democrat cl- claiming victimhood after making these broadcasts fully voluntarily which look i'm a libertarian i believe if that's what you want to do go up you know have at it but don't run in terror from, like you say, the consequences of your own actions. Like, if anything, you need to embrace your past yeah. because it's, 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 it's out it's there like now. The, it's like the, are- teachers that, the, the teachers that get caught doing porn and then they get really upset when parents are like, I don't want you around my child. And they're like, but that's my private life. And it's like, yes. And you've just proven in your private life that you've posted online that you are a porn star and I don't want you around my children. And I'm amazed at just the sanctimonious nature of the caught porn star. 
Um, but like I said, it's not just le- you know uh, members of the left. It's also members of the right. I don't know if you saw this story from Lauren Boebert, the representative from Colorado, who's been uh, caught yes. in a number of ridiculous situations, including a very public cat fight between her and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, this time, she was kicked out of a Broadway performance of Beetlejuice at a Colorado theater because she was interrupting the play. She was vaping, she was recording, she was laughing, she was singing along. Sounds like she may have been a little bit of intoxicated, you know, done some pre-gaming before you go to the play, which, you know, fine, but keep it to yourself. This is like definitely theater faux pas. You don't vape in the theater. You don't take flash photography. She said, she, oh, well, I didn't realize recording wasn't allowed. Tony, I, I mean, I've been to a lot of plays in my lifetime and through most of them, they very explicitly say, don't take pictures of the performance. So you either weren't paying attention or you're not being entirely forthright. Also, by the way, the reason that you're not allowed to record at a lot of plays, uh, for example, when I was at university up in Wisconsin, I, I participated in a play. I was Sherlock Holmes in Sherlock Holmes' final adventure. I have never been able to brag about that on the air. I will never brag about it again. There you go. That was the one time that's going to be mentioned. But we weren't even allowed as cast to film the production because we don't own the script. The script is rented. And so I, we don't even have like a video copy of that production, which kind of sucks because I thought I did a pretty good job. But first of all, just as the average American, because that's what I'm concerned with, you, average person out there, can you imagine going to a, a play or going to uh, some kind of production or any event where you are sitting with others in public and like doing anything that's going to draw attention to yourself I can't like that in, when you watch The Office and there are those moments where like Michael Scott starts to embarrass himself. I have to like pause The Office because it's too cringy. I can't I can't stand that level of just it just it hurts to watch. I cannot imagine having the lack of self-awareness. That lack you're of decorum. Not only, because look like I've sat in church and there's been a song that I've liked or I've been to a concert like there was a Fleetwood Mac uh, knockoff that was performed um, at Connor Prairie a few years back, my wife and I went to, I sang along with a few songs. Sure. But I sang along, and I sang along, honestly, quietly at times, because I don't want to be a disruption to everyone else, but laughing, recording, and vaping? Those big, huge clouds of steam. I don't have and a problem with Colorado, anybody who vapes. So you got to wonder what's yeah. in the vape there. Well, I don't. Well, I don't care about that. I, I have friends <laughs> I who vape. Either. I don't. Just, I don't I care. But abusing. like, if, imagine being the person sitting behind her, and you can't even see the screen because every couple of every thirty seconds or so, this big cloud of steam rises up in front of you. And by the way, you can smell that stuff. And she vape was, smells like a flavor and halitosis. This That's was the only smell. This was after being warned at the intermission. And the thing is, yeah, like okay, there are certain performances or broadcast, depending on the venue, where you are allowed to sing along. Like if you're going to a broadcast of The Room, you know, a screening of The Room, Tommy Wiseau's uh, famous disaster piece. Sure. Um, you can like throw f- spoons at the cinema. It's a very common thing to group screenings oh, really? of that film. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, or uh, Rocky uh, uh, Rocky Picture Horror Show, or Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, lots of uh, people who, cinema goers, sing along with the songs as it goes on. Like, it, because it's a, a participatory experience. That's and there not are, the case. And there are a ton of concerts and yeah. I, I went to, so I have a guilty pleasure, and then one of those guilty pleasures is Alanis Morissette. I love her music. I just do. And uh, being one of the only men on the face of this earth that enjoys Alanis Morissette music, I accompanied my wife and my mom to an Alanis Morissette concert in Indianapolis. I was one of eight dudes there, <laughs> and they all sang obnoxiously loudly. All of these women, not the dudes, the, the, the women that were at this concert that was packed, all sang out. And do you know how much it bothered me? None, because that's what a concert is. But going to Beetlejuice... And, and vaping and yelling and singing is, again, this is, 
like classic just don't be a don't be a moron time don't be stupid yeah so whether you're on the left or the right you're going to face the consequences of your actions. And if not, we're here for you. I like the way you put a bow on that. Um, Before we go to break, though, I wanted to cover this story from the Libertarian National Committee. They are apparently going to file for conservatorship over Joe Biden and uh, Mitch McConnell in the Senate, which I I guess is something that legally they've looked into. It is something you can do. And they're saying because the dire state of America and the lack of uh, cognitive capability on the part of its leaders necessitates this action. It's going nowhere, but God, is it hilarious. Well, they have to do something other than finding good (laughs) candidates to run for the party. So it's nice to know they're doing something. Well, here's the thing. Do we have time in this segment? We don't have time in this segment. Well, but. then we will uh, we'll, we'll move past that and, and come back because I'm, I'm glad the Libertarian Convention is doing something, you know, for a change. <laughs> I'm pushing but, your buttons, I know, as a Libertarian. Well, and I'm he, just here's the keep thing. I it. expect them to actually do more uh, pursuing a conservatorship than I expect the Republicans to do with the impeachment inquiry. We're going to get more traction out of this than uh, Kevin McCarthy and the fun time game. Hey, that's all I'm saying. It's all theater. Because at least that's the theme of this segment. It's all theater. It, Tony. At least these people mean it. No, I, I think that the that. Republicans mean to impeach Biden. Some I, of I, them. I, I have yet we gotta to parse, find. We got to parse through which ones. Okay, so let's let's pick let's let's take Greg Pence. Okay, Greg Pence, Mike Pence's brother. He is my congressman out in Eastern Central Indiana. I'm sorry. I think yeah, and I don't like him. However, I think that he is going to vote in favor of impeaching President Biden, and I think that he's going to mean it. Just because he's establishment doesn't mean he can't mean anything. That's a, that's a fallacy. It's like, well, oh, all these establishment Republicans, they can never do anything right. No, that's not why rhinos are bad. Rhinos are bad because sometimes they will do things correctly, and sometimes they will screw you over, and you do not know until it happens. Well, we know in the case of Mitt, uh, uh, Mitt Romney because he's broadcasting it, and we'll cover that later in the show. We'll get to it, but in the meantime, we got to stop for break. Thanks for listening to Tony Katz today, Ethan Hatcher, and Tony Kennett filling in. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. We've had a spectacular first hour of conversation and still two more to go. I'm looking forward to it. This is Ethan Hatcher filling in with the beloved Tony Kinnett. And Who Purdue. is uh, very appreciative of the Elanis Morissette, you know, come back in there. That that one's just for me. So, Literally, because I would ha- I, I would not have known. If I am you didn't say already that. getting mocked in some of my my group chats uh, around uh, from other Hoosiers who are making fun of me for being a man who occasionally enjoys some Alanis Morissette. But alas, we have more pressing stuff to get to, Ethan. I believe uh, there's something that you're particularly excited yes! about in this segment. So why don't you tell me? In this case, it's something to warm your heart. The Zionsville Police Department rescued kittens from an engine block, and I am thrilled. Anytime the little kitties could be looked after um, and saved from a precarious posi- uh, position, they likely put themselves into, as cats are often wont to do. Um, they are also available for adoption. Sadly, I am all booked up on cats, or I'd be all over this. But if you want to bring a kitty into your life, there you can find photos posted to WIBC.com. They look adorable. There's a gray spotted one. There's an orange and white one. There's a calico kitty. There's a gray kitty. Um, and if you're interested in adopting, these fine felines, you can contact the Boone County Dispatch at 765-482-1412, 765-482-1412, and ask for Mar- uh, Officer Mandy Beam. And if you want to come 
by my house and pick up one of our cats who's incredibly annoying that answers to Peanut. It's about a year and a half old. And uh, it, it, How could it's you on give my... up a member of your family? Uh, You're welcome to come by, pick up the cat, please. Uh, we'll give you stuff to take it. I, I, I am tired of it waking up my kid when we put her down and, and losing its mind. Uh, so it, it's, it's an orange cat. It's kind of a crackhead. Uh, but it will love you most likely. So, yeah. Cats I, are usually I, so good with kids. What are you doing wrong? No, no. They're, Surely they're, you are abusing the cat because cats know what they're doing. So I don't know if you know this, but cats that, that lose their mind as soon as the sun goes down and run through the house. And uh, when they run through the house and tackle each other right next to your kids' doors, your kids might hear that. And if they are in the process of sleep training um, and, you know, teaching them you're supposed to go lay in your own bed at night, you're supposed to, you know, stay there and the stuff Well, they wake up. Then they start screaming. It's, you know, that's kind of annoying. But anywho, it was a joke. But now that you've mentioned it, yeah, please come take this cat. I'm begging you. Um, I will throw it to you through the airwaves. Just just please. Um, and also there's a story. Now, this, this is about uh, the city of Indianapolis. Is They're supposed to have built a new animal shelter. This is desperately needed because okay. the conditions are far too small for the amount of animals that are required to be taken care for on a regular basis. And the Indy Shelter does a good job at, I believe, an 85% um, turnover rate in the shelter. So that's 85% of all the dogs and cats and other animals brought through the shelter doors uh, leave the facility alive. But that's still hundreds of animals that unfortunately have to be euthanized because nobody wants them. They get stressed out because of the close quarters and then they become unadoptable. Um, we need to follow the money because so far the city has lost more than five million dollars in constructing this animal shelter that was supposed to have been built a while ago. They announced its construction in February of 2021. In August of 22, they got an extra $3 million from the Polium Trust, but still no shelter to be found. And this was explained uh, by Abby Brands, who's taking care of the city uh, program, why that hasn't happened yet. We took our questions to Abby Brands, the new director at Business and Neighborhood Services, which oversees the city animal shelter. What's going where on with that? It? Yeah, where's the shelter? Where we are to date is just a delay with the site, unfortunately. <laughs> the city has already spent $5 million remediating the site. However, they need at least another just $10 million to make the animal shelter a reality. The city has made two federal funding requests over the last few years, and oh. we haven't received any of the funding yep. that we applied oh. for, unfortunately. We want more money. Yeah, more money. More money from where? Just more money, you know. $15 million isn't enough to build this new animal shelter. They've already spent $5 million just prepping the ground. Not a single brick has been laid. They want an extra $10 million, possibly more. What are they building? A new sports stadium for these animals? Okay, I'm going to say something that's going to make me a little unpopular on the air right now. And I'm going to make this very clear because there are a lot of people outside the, the great 465 circle of Indianapolis that agree with me on this. Why are we spending all of this money to build these beautiful, massive, expensive homes for animals. I like animals. I like pets. They don't have souls. They're not people. They're nice to have. Why we are building these beautiful, gorgeous McMansion structures, oh, Tony. like the one they just built in Hancock oh, County, Tony. there is no reason to be spending this. And they can't even they can't oh, even Tony. build the building. You, Five right. million dollars to that's store not, animals? That's not going to the structure. I, You know, it'd be one thing if they were getting like the cattle 
Cadillac treatment, but they're not. The money isn't even going to the damn building. What? It's just a slush fund for the construction and the cleanup uh, crews. What, what ground are they remediating? Chernobyl? Who knows? What are they remediating? I, I don't understand. What, what disaster area are they trying to clean up? Are they building it in East Palestine, Ohio? My God, and I don't I w- understand why ta- no one looks at this and goes, everyone in that needs to be fired and investigated immediately. And, and if you had any kind of, of interest in running a city, they're applying for federal funds to build a, a kennel for dogs and cats. And by the way, I think it should be well-staffed. I think the animals should be cared for. I think that we should do a service to keep strays off the street and provide a place for kids to go and get pets. That's great. But I don't think that spending millions of dollars, and then they want to complain about the schools not receiving money. They want to complain about schools not being built, and yet they want $15 million for a large litter box. This is a recurring theme with the city trying to get federal dollar. They got it for the bus line. They're getting it through the uh, for the through fares, and they're trying to entice it for the shelter instead of serving the citizenry and properly allocating tax dollars. You've been listening to Tony Katz today on 93 WIBC.